Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. You know, last week, Pastor Brett started this series on focus, and he talked about focusing on love, uh, specifically focusing on God's love. And man, that's so important because uh, we have to understand God's love if we're going to love him and love other people and love ourselves well. We have to understand his love. So that was so good. And uh, today I want to build on that, and I'm going to talk about focusing on our identity because uh, it's important that we know who we are. And I've discovered just through spending time with people for my entire life, there's a lot of people and even a lot of Christians um, who don't really understand who they are, who God made them to be, what, how, who he says that we are, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And, but first, we're going to start off talking about the wrong identity. And you can see that in your notes there, but that's, that's where we're starting because a lot of people are walking around with a wrong identity. Uh, most people, actually, I think most people, uh, walk around with an incorrect view of themselves. They don't see themselves the way that God does. Uh, they see themselves in light of so many other things, and we're going to talk about that. Because uh, we, we've defined ourselves by some things. Uh, we've designed, defined ourselves by decisions that we made. Um, we've defined ourselves by relationships and experiences, and we've defined ourselves by our issues or maybe by our parents, and the list just goes on and on about things that we grab a hold of to define who we are as people. Um, we've defined ourselves by something, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, is, do I see myself the way that I see myself, or do I see myself the way that God sees me? And that's how we need to start shifting our focus and, and starting to see ourselves the way that God sees us, because um, a, a lot of people haven't. And even those that have in some areas, there are other areas where they still hold back. There are other areas where they still haven't said, okay, I recognize that this is not who I am. I'm going to start being who God's called me to be in that area. And I'm, this is going to make more sense here in a minute, but... Um, there are things that we've done that we define ourselves by, and, and a lot of times we need to recognize that even though this is my decisions have taken me here, this is not who I am. I may have become this because of choices I made, but this is not who I am, and I'm going to start changing, changing how I see myself and changing how I'm focusing. You know, we search everywhere to try to find our identity. Um, we look to our friends, um, we look to our family, um, we look to our job, um, we can look to our pets to try to find our identity, we can look to our, our position, our possessions, there's so many things that we can look at. We can look to social media and try to form our identity of how we see ourselves, and all those are the wrong place to look. Every one of those is the wrong place to look. We got we to gotta start identity. A lot of people identify themselves by our, our failures and our rejections. And I think if you talk to people, you see that a lot of time. You see, you see what a negative view they have from them, of themselves, and that connects back to some sort of a failure or rejection that they experienced in their life. Um, we have this mindset of, I am what I did. And that's not how God sees us. You know, we're not, we're not what we did. You know, I used to use drugs, so I'll always be a drug addict. Or I've never been able to make a relationship work, so I guess I'm always going to be alone. Or I'm, all, I'm, I'm always struggling to pay the bills every month, so I guess I'm just never going to have enough to get by. That's who, that's who I am at this point. God never sees us by what he did. He sees us by who he says what we are. You know, um, I, was, I was working at the school, I guess it was back in September. Did any of you guys need sermon notes, by the way? I just saw Bob waving at me. Thank you so much, Bob. Bob, pass those out, or anybody else pass those out. Yeah, raise your hand if you need sermon notes. Thank you, Bob. That helped me out tremendously. I completely forgot about that. I'll give y'all a second to get those too. I'm not used to having to do that part. All right. So I was uh, back in September. Um, I was working at the working at the school here in town, and uh, I was in a classroom, and there was a, there was a kid who. 
as far as punishment goes, as far as punishment, there's like levels where you talk to them, you give them a warning, then you have like silent lunch, and then eventually they have to go see their principal. There's different area, different, different punishments depending on what you're doing. And uh, there was a kid I had in the class, and I'd had him a bunch. I knew who he was, and he was a great kid. Um, but he earned silent lunch one day through his actions and through what he was doing. He earned it, and I gave it to him. And um, I w- I, that was the first time in his life he'd ever had silent lunch, and I was the one who got to give it to him. And I remember um, as I had him in the class right before lunchtime, and when you go to silent lunch at the middle school, they have a table designated right with the, where the teachers sit, so you have to sit with the teachers. And he's sitting there at this table with the teachers and having silent lunch. He can't talk to anybody, and he is sitting there like bawling, crying, like you talk about, you know, I love kids. I love working with kids. And you talk about feeling awful. I sit there and watch this kid crying at this table because of something I did and, uh, or something he did. He, like I said, he earned it. This was his punishment. He earned it. But I just had on my heart to go talk to him for a second. So as he was sitting there crying, I pulled up a chair and sat next to him. And I said, you know, and I reminded him, okay, this is, this is what happened. This is why you're here right now. But I said, I want you to know that I think you're a great kid. I said, I see so much, so much potential in you. I see all this amazing stuff in you. Just because you did this, that's, I don't think anything differently about you. I wanted him to know that that mistake that he had made to earn silent lunch was not who he was. And it was important he saw that. He still had to stay in, stay in silent lunch that whole lunchtime. He still had to deal with the consequences of what he had done, but that's not who he was. And it's, fun, it's funny that in our interactions now, I see this kid every week, and he, now he tells people that I'm his favorite teacher. You know, I, I just imagined this kid was going to hate me forever because of that interaction we had. Uh, but he tells people I'm his favorite teacher. And I had him just, uh, just the other day in class. And if I heard Mr. Lyerly one time, I heard it 30 times because he kept wanting me to show me everything that he was doing and talk about his life and talk about his family. I kept hearing Mr. Lyerly. I wanted to change my name. You think, you know, sometimes if you hear your name that many times from a kid, you just want to, don't call me that ever again. I wanna, I'm going to come here. I'm going to be something else tomorrow. But anyways, it's important especially with our kids, that we can separate that when they do dumb things, that we don't want to create an identity around this is who you always are. It's important that we can separate that and say, okay, you have to deal with some consequences here, but that's not who you are. That's not who you, we're not going to start calling you that forever. That's not who you are. And we need to do the same thing with ourselves too, because sometimes we define ourselves by mistakes that we make. Well, I did that. I did this. So that's all, that's who I'm always going to be. And we can't do that. We can't define ourselves that way. We can't allow that to shift how we see ourselves forever because God sees us differently, and that's how we need to see ourselves. Uh, some of us also live with the mindset of I, ha- I am who they say that I am, and that's not right either because sometimes you may have some really encouraging people. You know, I want to be who Miss Becky says I am. When I walk in the church and she greets me, that's who I want to be because that's, that's a good thing. Uh, but there's some people you come across, you're like, well, based on what they say about me, that is not who I want to be at all. So it's important that we're not defining who we are purely based on who people say that we are, because sometimes they'll say the wrong thing about us. And it's important that we're looking to God and creating an identity uh, as far as how he sees us. You know, sometimes we can form our identity around a hurt. You know, sometimes we'll experience some sort of a hurt in our lives, and we can form an identity around that hurt. And I'm looking at my own life, you know, one of the biggest hurts I ever experienced was when my dad passed away about a year ago. And uh, when, he was, when he was going through that process, you know, I was Man, I, I believed he was going to get healed. That was where my heart was at. That's what I was expecting. Um, I remember even the night when he passed away, I was sitting there next to him. Me and my mom were there with him. And I just expected, I was like, in my mind, I saw him standing up and walking out of that place. That's like, that's where my heart was at. And then he went to heaven. And, uh, you know, there's a hurt that happens. I knew he was in heaven. And, man, I was so excited about that. And so, man, I was glad he was there. We had discussed that. We'd had those conversations. And I knew that he wouldn't come back if he wanted to. He wouldn't come back if he could because of everything he was experiencing up there. But because of the relationship that I had with him, we talked literally every day for years. So there was a void. There was something missing where I was used to having that 
relationship with him. And literally for pretty much a year after he passed away, every morning when I'd wake up, I'd have a decision to make. I could make the choice that I'm going to live today defined by that hurt, or I could acknowledge, okay, I went through this. This was hard. I, I, I miss him, but I've still got a purpose here. I've still got a reason for being here. God has something for me today. I can't, I can't allow that, that hurt to define every single day as I'm going through life. I have to refocus and say, okay, God has something for me today, and I'm going to walk that out, and I'm going to live that out. And, that, and that's my example of hurt. We all have hurt we go through that tends to grab a hold of us and define us, but it's important that we don't live our lives based on that hurt. Um, whether it's sin or hurt or anything else in our past that tries to shape our identity, anything negative that tries to shape our identity, uh, Paul tells us how we're supposed to approach it, how we're supposed to handle it. And in Philippians 3 and verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So we've got to break the power of the negative stuff in our lives that's been shaping our identity. We have to do that. It's up to us to do that. We need to focus on what's ahead. We need to focus on our real identity, and that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, how do we find our real, real identity? On, a, on Monday, I was actually here at the church for a little while, and I was reading one of my favorite scriptures. And as I was reading it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about it, and he showed me something I'd never seen before. This is so cool. Uh, but in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So that's God, that's God saying, hey, when you, when you seek, seek after me, when you search after me with your whole heart, you're going to find me. And as I was reading that scripture and as I was thinking about that, I heard the Holy Spirit say, as you seek after me, you're also going to find yourself too. So as you seek after God, as you spend that time pursuing him, you're going to find your true identity. You're going to find who you really are. That, the stuff that other people have said about you, the hurt, the sin that you've experienced, that stuff's going to fall away, and you're going to find your identity wrapped up in God. And I was so good when he showed, I was so excited when he showed me that. Our identity is forever connected to who he is and who he says that we are. That's our identity. So based on that, I want to, I want to look to, I'll just go and do, do my notes here. It says to find our identity, we have to go to the one that created us. So that's where we find our identity at. You know, there's absolutely no way um, that we could live our lives to, the, to our God-given potential if we don't take a moment to, to go to God and say, okay, God, who am I? Who am I? You know, it's, I, something I love to do, like I love going to art exhibits. I know most people who know me probably wouldn't realize that, but I love going to art exhibits. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not an artistic person at all. Like I don't have that gifting or that ability, but I have a great appreciation for people who do, and I love seeing their work. And I, I know when you go to art exhibits, sometimes you go and you see these pictures that are, you know, they're amazing. They're so lifelike and real, and you can look at that and say, that just looks just like a photograph. It's so amazing they did that. And then you go to these other pictures, and you're like, I don't have a clue what that is. And, you, I mean, you, you wonder, is it upside down? Did they drop it on the way in? You know, what, what's going on here? I don't really, I can't really wrap my mind around what's happening here. Um, but if you, if you go to an art exhibit, they always had these little cards right next to the art, whether it's a sculpture or a painting. They got these little cards that basically explains what the artist was going for and what their inspiration was. And basically, to find out about that art, it was so important to go to the artist to see what they were trying to do there, because I couldn't figure it out on my own. And it's the same way with God. God's the one who created us, so it's important that we go to him to get his inspiration for who we are and why we are the way that we are and what our identity is. It's important that we go to him. And there's two main ways that he's going to reveal our identity to us, um, two areas that we need to focus on if we're going to start living out of our God-given identity. The first thing we got to focus on is our identity in the Word. So God is the only one who has the 100% accurate story on who we are. 
He's the only one who has that. I, you know, I want to I take a few minutes to go through some scriptures that are going to talk about our identity in the Word of God. And as we go through these, I want to encourage you to read these with a the mindset of this is who I am, not this is who I hope to be one day. Because I think a lot of times we read scriptures and we go through it and it said, man, it'd be awesome if I could be like that. That's not what these are. These are scriptures that are your identity. This is how God already sees you, even if you don't feel that way right now, even if you don't feel like you've stepped into that up to this point. This is how God sees you. This is your identity. I want you to read them from that mindset. Um, if God says that we're something, we are, whether we've actually experienced it or not. So, so in Romans chapter 6 and uh, verse 1, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So part of our identity as a believer is that we've died to sin. We've died to sin. It no longer has the hold on us that it once did. Um, it might try to sneak back in our lives, but that's no longer who we are. We have died to sin. It does not have that power in our life. If we jump down to verse 6 and 7, it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For, what, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So part of our identity is that sin has lost its power in our lives. It no longer has power in our lives anymore. How can I be free from sin? I mean, you don't, you don't know what I did last week, or you don't know what I was doing last night, or you don't know about the fight that I had with my spouse on the way to church this morning. You don't know all that kind of stuff. I'm saying that no matter what you've done, if you're a believer, it says Jesus paid the price for our sin. He paid the price so that we don't have to carry the weight of that anymore. Um, what you've done is not who you are, and freedom from it's available to you. He already sees you as free, and it's right there available for you, ready for you to step into it. Um, in verse 11, it goes on to say, So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's part of our identity. That's part of our identity. We're, you're dead to the power of sin and alive to God because, all because of what Jesus did. That's who you are. That's part of your identity. I don't care how long you felt trapped by a particular sin. I don't, feel, I don't care how impossible it seems to get free from that. Um, if you're... If, God says that you're free. God says that you are free and forgiven. And I encourage you guys too, I'll, I'll do a quick little commercial here. If you're someone who you feel like you've been dealing with something for a long time, we have a recovery group um, that meets here at the church on Monday nights at 6 p.m. Um, if you want to get some people to come alongside you that really help you through that process of stepping into your freedom identity, uh, man, they will do that with you and they'll love you the entire time you're there. Even when you slip up, they're still going to love you and want you back anyways. Uh, so I encourage you, they meet on Monday nights at 6 p.m. So I encourage you to be here and, and, and allow them to walk you through that process. Um, but let's keep going. In Ephesians 1 and verse 3, like I said, we're just talking about identity scriptures here. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So that says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realms. That's past tense. That's already happened. That means that as a believer, our identity is that we're blessed. We already are. We're blessed as part of who we are. Um, we're blessed with everything that we need for life and godliness. We're, we've been blessed with everything that we need to live a successful life and accomplish the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for us while we're here. We've been blessed with that. Maybe you're saying, I don't feel very blessed or my bank account doesn't look very blessed. Remember, we're talking about refocusing. We're focusing on our identity. Instead of focusing on what you feel like you're not, start focusing on who God says that you are. That's what we're doing here. Instead of accepting how things have always been, focus on the fact that God sees you as blessed. That's what he's made available to you. That's the plan that he has for us, and learn to follow him and step into that because that's how he sees us. It goes on to say in verse 4, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us. 
Now, Pastor Brett talked about this last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on this, even though it's so fun to talk about God's love. But um, God's not waiting on us to live a good enough life for him to start loving us. Like, he's not waiting on that. Um, he's not waiting on us to get everything perfect and everything lined up and in a row, and then, then we can do enough to where we can earn his love. That's not how it is. He already has chosen to love us. Like, our part of our identity is that we're loved by God. We are loved continuously every moment of every day at our, at our best moment and our worst moment. He loves us already. We are completely, 100% perfectly loved every minute of every day. And I encourage you guys to get a revelation and focus on that. Um, regardless of how alone you may feel at times, you've got a God in heaven who's looking at you and loving you 100% perfectly unconditionally. I love knowing that about him. Instead of trying to find that unconditional love in a person, we gotta find it in him first. Because when we find it in him first, then it's easier to recognize in the people around us once we've experienced that love from him first. And we need to know that our identity is that we're loved. It goes on to say, it says, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose us. So part of our identity is that we've been chosen. Uh, God looked at us. He saw our lives. He saw our flaws. He saw the things that were good. He saw the things that weren't good in our lives. And he, he saw that he knew that we had messed things up over and over again. And he looked at us and he chose us anyways. I love that about us. Part of our identity is that we've been chosen. That's who we are as a believer. We've been chosen. He chose to see us forgiven and living for him. He, showed, he chose to see us loved and, and fully empowered. He chose to see us that way. Um, he chose to see us as a world changer, someone who's going to take what he's given us and change the world around us. He chose to see us that way. He sees the gifts and the abilities and the talents that he put on the inside of us, and he's just there cheering us on, saying, man, I'm ready to see you go off and win and win one for the team. You know, he has, he's chosen us. He wanted us on his team so badly that he literally chose us before anyone else could. Like, he picked us and said, hey, I want you on my team before we were even born. While we were still in our mama's womb, he chose us and said, hey, I've called you. I've chosen you to be on my team because I see something in you that I need to accomplish my plan here in the earth. That's amazing that he's done that. Your identity is someone who's been chosen. In verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So part of our identity is that we've been adopted into God's family. You know, he didn't, God didn't have to do that. Like, nobody was twisting his arm and making God adopt us into his family. And yet he decided to do it anyways. It was something he wanted to do, and that verse says it gave him great pleasure. You know, some of us have really great families, and some of us don't. But regardless of that, you've got the best family in the world. If you're a believer, you're part of God's family. Like, he, he literally loved, looked at us and loved us so much that he said, I want them to experience the perfect love of a father. I want them to see me that way. It's not enough for them to be my servant. It's not enough for them to be, you know, someone like someone who does everything I tell them to do. He said, I want children. I want children. And he looked at us and said, I'm going to make them my children. I'm going to fully adopt them into my family with all the same rights and privileges that Jesus has, and I'm going to make them my kids. That's, what God, that's how God loves us. That's what he did for us. Um, part of your identity is that you're a child of God. Man, we need to, we need to know that. We need to live out of that identity. Uh, verse 7, it says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So we already talked about this when we read this in Romans, but part of our identity is that we're free and forgiven. Um, the opposite of free and forgiven is when we live our lives carrying the weight of sin and the sin and the, and, and the guilt and the shame that come along with that. You know, I, I told this story back in, I guess it was November on a Wednesday night, um, but I, I was working at Scott Memorial one day, and um, the, they were, that evening there was a football game, and they were planning to do a staff cookout. 
and um, the principal basically gave me the, the Scott Memorial credit card and also their tax-exempt tax thing for Walmart. And I took off to Walmart to go buy a bunch of stuff for that staff cook, cookout. And about the time that I got back to the school, um, it was around 3 o'clock, and if you've ever been to Scott Memorial that time of day, parents are already starting to line up around the parking lot there. Um, so the only parking spots that were available were way, way back here in the back corner. And I, was sitting, I, I pulled in back there, and you know, when I was sitting back there in my car, I, I, I realized I had, a, I had a decision to make. You know, I could either make multiple trips from way back here into the school, or I could try to carry all these groceries in in one trip. You know, us guys, we tend to, we tend to try to manhandle those things and get as many, you know, we're going to do this in one trip. I don't care if it breaks me. Um, so I, I finally make the decision that I'm going to get, you know, I had all these bags. My whole back seat was full of stuff, and it was heavy stuff. It wasn't just chips. You know, there were drinks and heavy stuff in there. And I make the decision, okay, I'm going to carry all these bags from here all the way through the parking lot, through the school, all the way to the office where I need to get it to. And so I, I, I managed to get them all up and get my door closed, and I'm carrying these bags. And about the time I get about 10 feet away from my car, I realize I've made a mistake. This is heavy. You know, you, I'm really regretting this, but also there's another part of you, like, I'm not going to set these bags down until I get to my car. So I'm walking, and it is a miserable walk. You know, your arms are shaking, your legs are shaking, and I finally make it into the school and, and drop those bags, and it's like I couldn't, I couldn't unclench my fingers. You know, it was just one of those, you're gripping those bags so hard there. And I was thinking about that after the fact, and that's a walk I make every day, and that's a walk I usually love because I love interacting with the people around me. I love interacting with the kids, the, st the staff. It's fun to, fun to see them and talk to them, but when I was carrying those bags, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, I was just focused and determined to get rid of these things. Even the, even the assistant principal, he came up to me to say something at one, at one point. I was like, no, I got to get to the office. I can't, I can't talk to you right now. But the, the, what I was thinking about with that is, is, is when we carry the weight of sin, that's what it's like for us. You know, we can, we can normally enjoy life and enjoy what we're doing, but when we're carrying that weight, we don't enjoy life as much anymore. And that's because we were never designed to carry that weight. And it also tends to affect us both at that moment and beyond that, too. I know I told you guys this back in November, um, but from carrying those bags, the end of that finger right there was numb for three months. I actually pinched the nerve in my finger. I from carrying, it was carrying around on the joint there. And I kept expecting it to come back, and literally for three months it was completely numb. I, I finally got feeling back a few weeks ago. Um, but so it, it's something that sticks when you carry around the weight of sin. It sticks with you a while too. I, I discovered that. Um, but the bottom line is that God never designed us go, to go through life carrying the weight of sin and guilt and shame. He, can, he, he basically designed us to already be free and forgiven so we could pass that weight off to him and say, I'm not going to carry that anymore. Um, so I encourage you guys, if you've been identifying with some sin in your past, if some sin that you did this morning, I encourage you to end that right now and stop carrying the weight of that because God's saying, hey, when I see you, I see you as free and forgiven. Give that weight to me and walk in your freedom identity. That's what God has for you. And we need to, we need to do that. So First um, Peter, man, if you've thought this has been good so far, you're really, really going to like these next few scriptures. If you haven't thought it was good, I'll apologize. In First Peter 2, in verse 9, it says, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings. Man, I love how the Passion Translation says that. It says that you are priests who are kings. Um, that puts us in a, when you recognize that you're a priest and a king, like you recognize that's who you are, uh, man, that puts you in another level as far as the authority that you have the authority that you walk in on a daily basis. Um, that puts you in another level, in the level that you communicate with God. When you recognize I'm a king and a priest, you recognize that, hey, God's, God's communicating with me all the time. He wants to talk to me. And because I'm a priest, I can hear what he says. I can hear what he's trying to tell me. And I can use that to, to live my life on a daily basis. It puts, you, it puts you in a different mindset there. You know, when you feel like you're, a no, you're nothing, which we do feel like that from time to time, it's important that we shift our focus. Remember, we're focused on our identity. And we say, I'm focusing on the fact that I'm a priest and a king because God says I am. 
Even if I don't feel like it right now, even if I woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning, God says I'm a priest and a king, so that's who I am. We're identifying with that. Um, it goes on to say we're a, spirit, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So basically, that says that God has claimed you as his very own. Like, God looked at you, and man, I've claimed you as my own. And part of our identity, just like it says right there in the scripture, is that we live our lives broadcasting his glorious wonders throughout the entire world. That's part of our identity, is we get to broadcast the glorious wonders of God. And how awesome is that, that we have that responsibility and that, that joy to get to do that, that honor. It's an awesome life that we get to live because of our identity in Christ. You know, it's not a boring life by any means. It's an exciting life that we get to live when we realize who we are and what he's created us to do. Then it goes on to say in verse 10, it says, for at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched in it. So part of our identity as, as God's people is that we've been drenched in mercy. Man, how good is that? You literally walk around just sopping wet with mercy every single day. You know, sometimes, sometimes we feel like, especially if, we're, if we make the same sin over and over and over again, we feel like, man, I've just used up God's mercy, and it's not there anymore. And that's how we feel. We feel like there's no way God's going to forgive me for that again. But he's saying when he sees us, he sees us as, as, as drenched in mercy. Like there's literally so much on us that we can't use it up. That's how he sees us, and that's how he identifies us. So we need to see ourselves that way too. You know, I, we could spend literally hours and hours and hours, I know you guys would love to do this, but we could spend hours talking about our identity in the word. But I want to give you one more scripture that will kind of sum it all up, and I, I hope it kind of changes how you see yourself. This is one of my favorite scriptures too. In uh, 1 John 4 and verse 17, it says, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us, so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment, because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. That's one of my favorite scriptures. That says that all that Jesus is right now, so are we in the world right now. I want you to think about that. Where is Jesus now? You know, he's, he's in heaven. Uh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is full of love, full of power, um, interceding on our behalf. You know, that, that's who he is right now. And that's saying that as Jesus is right now, think about who he is right now. That's who we are right now in the world. You know, even though he's not here walking on the earth right now, he is here working through us. Um, we're, our job and our purpose here on the earth, part of our identity is that we get to represent Jesus here on the earth to the people around us. We get to, we get to represent Jesus to people at our jobs, at our schools, in our families. We get to represent Jesus to them. Um, he's not here on the earth right now, but we're here continuing the ministry that he started when he was here. We're, we're walking in the same, the same power. The, we have the same Holy Spirit he had. How amazing is that? And the, the word actually says that as a believer, that we're going to do the works that he did and even greater works than those. So that means that, you know, that should help you change your identity as far as what you can do and what your purpose is. We're not called just to squeak by through life. We're called to live life like Jesus did because as he is right now in heaven, that's who we are on the earth right now. And it's important that we recognize that. You can see how that can change your identity. You know, the next time you start to look down at yourself, the next time you're feeling worthless and feel like you have no purpose, we'll go back and read that scripture and remind yourself that, hey, just like Jesus is right now, that's who I am in the earth right now. And that's, that's, that's powerful right there. That should totally change how you see yourself and how you, and that should totally shift your expectation as far as what you can do on a daily basis here on the earth. You know, we're, we're empowered and led by the Holy Spirit just like he was. We're full of love and full of the anointing just like he was. And it's up to us to step out and represent him well to the people around us. That's part of our identity as a believer. That's not, you know, that's not something we have to work hard to obtain. God's saying, hey, that's how I see you now. Just step into that. That's what he wants for us. Uh, we need to regularly focus on our identity 
that's described all throughout the Word of God. That's what we need to do. We also need to focus on our identity with the Holy Spirit. That's your next note on your paper there. So we got to focus on our identity with the Holy Spirit. I love hearing that baby, by the way. The past few days, my sister was here visiting with my niece, and just even the sound of her crying, I got happy when I heard her cry. It was just so fun to hear a baby. So I love that Luke's in here with us. But um, the Holy Spirit uh, plays a big role in helping us live our, live our God-given identity. Like he's a, he, and I don't know of anybody that illustrates that better than Peter. Um, you know, Jesus, everywhere that Jesus went, he had this big crowd of people that followed him. And, you know, at one point, I think the word says there were 500 people following him around, 500 disciples. And then within that group of 500, there were 12 disciples that were kind of the group that he really poured into. He really taught specifically this group of 12. And then within this group of 12 disciples, there was a smaller group that were the ones that he was really close to. Like this was his core group. These are the ones that he was, he was close to. He was friends with them. They were really, they were really tight. And uh, Peter was one of, those, one, of those, one of those ones in the small group. He was really close with Jesus. Um, so for several years, Peter was with Jesus pretty much every day. You know, they were, they were together almost every day, except when Jesus sent him out to do ministry, but they were together. He got to hear Jesus' teaching. He got to see the signs and the wonders and miracles. He got to witness all this amazing stuff happening. And on top of all that, he was close friends with Jesus. Now, Peter's also fun because if you look at Peter, he was kind of a, a guy of, an, of extremes. Like he saw moments where he was like, man, way up here, and he saw moments where he was way down here. You know, I, think in, I think it's in Matthew 16. Um, there's one scripture where basically Peter says something to Jesus identifying who he is, and Jesus basically says, man, you heard that from God. and You heard that from God. There's no way you could have known that on your own. You heard that from God. And then literally like a few verses down from that in the same, in the same chapter, Jesus looking at Peter and saying, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, he makes a statement. He says, man, get behind me, Satan. So Peter was this, you know, he had these big extremes. He was way up here, way down here. And uh, that continued um, for the early part of his life there. And even, even on the night when Jesus was crucified, you know, I already said that Peter was one of, or on the night that Jesus was put on trial leading up to him being crucified, um, Jesus was inside the building there. He was on trial going through that, and there were a lot of people surrounding this building, and Peter was out there with the people. He was out there with the people, and, and people start coming up to Peter and asking him questions about, hey, aren't you one of his followers? And I'm, let me just read this so I don't mess this up too bad. In uh, Matthew 26, in verse 69, keep in mind that Jesus is on trial right now, and Peter's out there in the courtyard with all the people around him. And in verse 69, it says, Meanwhile, Peter was still sitting outside in the courtyard when a servant girl came up to him and said, I recognize you. You are with Jesus the Galilean. In front of everyone, Peter denied it and said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So Jesus is on trial. He was on his way to a horrible beating. He was on his way to a horrible death, being crucified on the cross. And here's Peter after everything they'd been to, after how close they had been for literally years, and he's denying he even knows who Jesus is. You know, talk about having a good friend. That's where, that's where Peter's at. And then it goes on in verse 71, and it says, Later, as he stood near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I know this man is a follower of Jesus, of the, Jesus the Nazarene. Once again, Peter denied it, and with an oath he said, I tell you, I don't know this man. So once again, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of the people he knew, who knew him better than anyone else, is denying he even knows him on the worst night of his life. You know, just, just get a mental picture of this. And then it goes on to say in verse 73, and it says, A short time later, those standing nearby approached Peter and said, we know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech. Your Galilean accent gives you away. Peter denied it, and using profanity, he said, I don't know the man. At that very moment, the sound of a crowing rooster pierced the night. 
Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. With a shattered heart, Peter went out of the courtyard, sobbing with bitter tears. So that last time that he denied Jesus, it actually says he cussed the guy out. He used profanity. So he wasn't just saying, I don't know him. Now he's cussing the guy out too. You know, if we were to, if we were to, to, to take away everything else we know about Peter and look at that moment of his life, what kind of identity would we create around Peter? You know, we'd look at him and we'd say he was a bad friend. You know, at the very least, he was a bad friend. We would look at him and say that he was unfaithful. Uh, we would look at him, if we were creating an identity around that moment, uh, we would say he was a coward. You know, he couldn't even stand up for Jesus in that moment right there. Um, we would look at him and we'd create an identity of that's someone that God could never use. Because if he's not going to stick up for Jesus then, why would God ever use him for anything? Now that's, if we took just, just looked at that moment for what it was, that's the identity we'd create around Peter. Uh, how many of us have ever felt that way too? Felt like somebody God can't use anymore. I know, I know I have before. But in about 50 days, everything changes for Peter. You know, basically Jesus is crucified and he's raised up on the third day. And then for about 40 days or so, he hangs out with the disciples and continues to teach them and do amazing things. And after that, Jesus goes up into heaven, but he says, hey, I want you guys to stick around in Jerusalem for a little while longer. He said, you need the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you and stick around here until he comes, basically. Um, so basically, they stick around, and, and around Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and the, you know, the upper room is filled up, and, and Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter steps up with a boldness that he's never had before. Uh, when, when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, he steps up with a boldness, and in front of literally thousands of people, he preaches Jesus. So here was Peter, who was a, he, 50 days ago, he was afraid to even admit that he knew Jesus, and now here he is filled with the Holy Spirit in front of thousands of people with a complete boldness to preach Jesus from just throughout the entire Bible to this group of thousands of people. In fact, he ministers so powerfully and so effectively that 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day. So his identity, the moment that he received the Holy Spirit was very, very different than what it was just a couple months before that. And it's the same way for us, just like Peter needed the Holy Spirit to fully step into his God-given identity, so do we. We need, we need the Holy Spirit in our li- as a, having an active role in our lives if we're going to fully step into the God-given identity that he has for us. Because part of our identity is to step out and do things that we can't do on our own, but the Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us to do those things. So we need him to fully step into our God-given identity. Uh, we'll never fully step in, into that until we're completely filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter was there. You know, here, if that's something you've never experienced before, I got good news for you. You can leave here today completely full of the Holy Spirit, just like Peter was. Actually, at the end of service, and we'll announce this later on too, but at the end of service, we'll have a prayer team gathered over here. And I got to tell you, there's nothing they would love more than to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. You can leave here empowered and changed and more connected to your God-given identity than you've ever been before. So I encourage you, if that's something you want, go see them after service over there, and I promise you, it'll change your life if you'll do that. So, so we focused on our identity in the Word, and we focused on our identity with the Holy Spirit, where do we go from here? Well, from here, we need to make sure that we stay focused. That's the last point you're going to see on your notes here. We've got to stay focused. You know, I know this is not just me, so I'll ask this question. Have you guys ever had like an awesome, life-changing, amazing time at church where you heard from God and you connected with God and you just leave here feeling so excited? And then the moment you get in your car and you get your kids loaded up, one of them throws up in your car. Have you ever had that happen before? <laughs> okay. I've never had that happen, but I've talked enough of you guys. I know it happens. Or, or maybe 
Or maybe you've had that same amazing time here at church, and then you get in your car, and you and your spouse start talking about where you want to go to eat after service. And both of you say you don't care, and secretly you both care and have a place you want to go to. You just don't want to be the one that says it. And before you know it, you leave church, and you got a fight happening in the car about where you go out to eat. And you've completely forgotten about this amazing experience you had with God because now you're both fighting about where you go get food at. And you know, you both want Peking, just say it. So, or, or, maybe, or maybe you go to that restaurant, and this is any restaurant except Ruby Tuesdays because Jack is there and customer service is there perfect all the time and they never have any issues at all. Uh, but maybe, maybe you go out to the restaurant after service and, and it's, it's just the worst service you've ever had in your life when you're at the restaurant. You know, the waiter pay, doesn't pay attention to you. You don't get any refills. The food's not what you ordered. And, and you've totally forgotten about the service at that point. You've totally forgotten about this experience you had with God. Um, there are so many things in our life that try to compete with our focus. And a lot of times it happens immediately after we have an amazing encounter with God. So it's important that when those things try to pull our focus away, that we, we refocus. We say, wait a minute, I recognize what this is trying to do in my life. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to stay focused on who I am and the identity that God has for me. I'm not going to let it distract me. Uh, one of my favorite... I, if you've ever heard me talk, I say this is my favorite scripture for almost every scripture because they all are. But anyways, in, in James 1.23, it says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. How ridiculous would that be to look in a mirror and forget what you look like? I mean, I, I know we all experience a version of that because if you've ever seen somebody take a picture of you and post it on social media, um, usually there's a bit of a shock at how you look because I think we all have a mental picture of ourselves that's about 10 to 20 years younger and about 10 to 20 pounds lighter. So there's always that bit of shock of like, man, when in the world did I start looking like that? Um, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about that kind of change. I'm talking. This is talking about you look in a mirror and you literally completely forget what you look like. You know how, I mean, you'd be scared every time you walk by a mirror. You walk by, whoa, who's that? You know, that's, that's what this is talking about here. And it's saying that if we, if, we, if we choose to look in the Word of God and discover our identity, if we find that our God-given identity and we decide, even though I recognize this is my God-given identity, I'm not going to live that way, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting who you are. And it's so important that we keep ourselves focused because there are so many things that try to compete for our attention. And it's important that we stay focused and say, okay, I know this, is, this voice is telling me who I am. This voice is saying I've done this. I made this mistake. But I'm going to ignore all that, push all that to the side and say, God, who do you say that I am? Who's your word saying that I am? Who, who's the Holy Spirit saying that I am today? And that's the identity I'm going to live out of. I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted anymore. I'm not going to allow myself to be pulled away anymore. I'm going to live the identity that God has for me. And if we'll do that, if we'll stay focused on our identity with Jesus, verse 25 says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, it says then God will bless you for doing it. So basically the result of following your God-given identity, of focusing on your God-given identity, is that you're going to be blessed because of it. You're going to live a blessed life when you choose to focus on how God sees you rather than how you may have seen yourself in the past. It's so important that we do that. So I just, want to, I just want to encourage you guys to spend time focusing on who God says that you are. You know, we, we, I gave you a whole bunch of scriptures this morning. Go back and reread those if you have to. Read the whole Bible, man. There's so many awesome scriptures in there that talk about our identity. Um, focus on who, who his word says that you are, and then spend enough time with the Holy Spirit that you sense that empowering and, and step out and be who you are with the Holy Spirit too. Um, as you identify areas of your life that you recognize, hey, wait a second, this is, this is opposite of who God says that I am, start to change your focus on those areas. Focus on those areas and say, okay, I have not been walking out my God-given identity in this area, so I'm going to change it. I'm going to refocus Say, God, I'm going to believe who you, says, who you say that I am, even if this is who I've been for a whole long time now.
I'm going to focus on who you said that I am. Uh, God doesn't want you to live with that mindset any, any longer. He doesn't want you to go through the mindset of, of who you were before you met Jesus. So many of us form our identity on who we were before we met Jesus. He doesn't want us to carry that mo- mindset a moment longer than we already have. He wants us to be free from that. He wants us to see ourselves the way that he sees us because he has something amazing for us to do. And we're never going to do it well and do it effectively until we see ourselves the way that he does. Because the plan and the purpose that he has for us is only possible when we step out and live the way that he created us to live. And it's up to us to do that. He wants, to, he wants you to see yourself as forgiven and free. Uh, he, wants to see your, he wants you to see yourself as blessed, as chosen, as a child of God. Uh, he wants you to see yourself as a priest and a king. Uh, he wants you to see yourself as someone who's experiencing the same thing here on earth in this life as Jesus is right in heaven right now. He wants you to see yourself. He wants you to form your identity around how God sees you right now. That's your identity as a believer. That's what God sees, and that's what we need to see ourselves too. It's so important that we do that. So just to kind of pull things together here, I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. You know, maybe maybe you're not a believer. You know, we've been talking about our identity as a believer. Uh, maybe you're not a believer, or maybe you're just not sure. You know, sometimes, you know, we have experiences, and we're not really sure if we made that decision or not. Um, I want you to leave here today sure. I want you to leave here today knowing what your identity is. I want you to leave here today knowing that my identity is that of a believer. I want you to leave here knowing that my, my future, part of my future is going to be to experience heaven one day. You know, all you have to do to step into your new identity, all that God requires of us to step into that new identity that he has for us is to believe in our hearts that, that Jesus died for us and God rose him up again on the third day. We have to believe that. And then we have to basically say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Basically, we have to make the decision that I recognize that I have messed things up to this point, but God, I'm giving my life to you, and I'm going to live for you from this day forward. That's what God wants from us. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never said, Jesus, I'm giving you my life, but you're ready to do that this morning, if you'd raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you, and you can leave here with that brand new identity that we've been talking about today. I'm looking around the room. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand so I can see and so we can pray together on that. always so important to me. All right, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? The reason I got your eyes closed right now is I want you to look at your heart and be real honest with yourself. So, All right, you can put your hand down. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who can say, well, I have, I have stepped into my new identity. I am a believer, um, but I haven't been living like it. You know, there's some stuff in my old life, some sin um, that's been wait, that hanging on to me. I've continued to do some things I knew weren't right. Or maybe you just haven't made God a priority in your life. Maybe you just haven't been living for him the way that you knew you should. Man, God loves us so much. He's so good all the time that he actually made a way for us to get from that place where we walked away from him to step right back into our identity again. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unwickedness. So if you're someone he can say, I, I've stepped away from my identity, but I'm ready to step back step away from that sin and step back into my true identity. I'm ready to receive that forgiveness. I'm ready to receive that freedom. If you'd raise your hand for that, I'd like to pray with you about that too. I see some hands popping up already. Lots more hands popping up for that. That's awesome. God gets so excited about that. Basically, you're making the decision that I'm ready to to step into the full identity that God has for me. I'm ready to leave my past behind. I'm ready to refocus and get things back on track again. I still see lots of hands popping up, so I'll give you all a moment longer on that. 
said, God gets so excited about this because he's excited about what's ahead of you. He's excited about the plan and the purpose that he has for you. And he's excited about you stepping into that place where you feel like you can do what he's called you to do. All right. Y'all can put your hands down. What we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And uh, out of respect to those who are praying, I'm asking that we all pray this together. Uh, because, man, it's so good. We're all refocusing and basically saying, God, I'm, I'm going to leave some things behind. And I'm going to step in the fullness of what you have for me. So like I said, I, I'm going to ask you guys to pray this prayer after me. And as we pray it, um, don't just say the words I, like I'm saying them. I encourage you to recognize that we're talking to God right now. So this is a conversation between you and God as we say these words. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you've forgiven me and you've set me free from all my sin. And I thank you that you have a God-given identity for me. And today, I'm choosing to focus and to step into how you see me and not how I've seen myself. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you guys are so awesome. I love you guys, man. It's been so much fun. Um, I just encourage you guys as we get ready to, Pastor Brett comes up here in just a moment, encourage you to take time to focus on your God-given identity this week. I promise you it'll change your self-esteem. It'll change how you feel like what you can do if you'll just take time to focus on how God sees you. So, Pastor Brett. Wasn't that good? Give the Lord a hand clap. You know, I, I was writing some things down. It's a choice for you to change. You know, last week I, I said you're royalty. You know, whether you feel like it or not, whether you smell like it or not, you're royalty as far as God's concerned. He read the scripture. You're priests and kings. Wait a minute. As a priest, you've got duties. As a king, you have duties or a queen. So, so I have a choice to, to change and start taking it where your life doesn't line up as he preached. Change. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Do you know God can only go as far as you, you want to? God is a gentleman, and God gave you a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And he has extended his love, his power, his anointing, everything that you need. You have to choose. You know, I don't want that. Change your mindset. Because, you know, a lot of our mindset is, well, God will never do that for me. Well, you've just never seen it before in the Word. I was talking to a fire chief one time, and he was talking about mindsets. He goes, I want the firemen. I want the rednecks. I said, what do you mean rednecks? He goes, I want the one that says, hey, y'all watch this. He goes, because they have a mindset that they're bulletproof. And he goes, when they drive up to the fire, whether it's a cat or whether it's grandma, they're going in there. Because their mindset, that they've got it. Well, let me, your mindset needs to be a God mindset, that God's got you and that you're empowered by him and that you choose to serve the Lord your God and that he will bless you. Amen? And so where your life's not lining up, choose to repent. Choose to, repent doesn't mean, oh, mess up. Repent, this is repenting. Going towards the blessing. I'm going towards God. That means turn. It means turn and go towards God. Amen? Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.